Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are all over in Tokyo competing for the goal. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will as well. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil State State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, it is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as I always say, to get the most up-to-date news, rumors, topics, discussions, and so much more about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a great day, a fantastic day, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I hope 
you really enjoyed our previous episode, episode 67, obviously talking about the moves that the Devils made at the first day of free agency, including signing Dougie Hamilton to that major contract. And I mean, again, it still doesn't feel real that the Devils got not only the top defenseman, but the top player in all the free agency. And it just, it's one of those things where, and I talked to a lot of people about this, that I said, you know what, this could be a franchise defining move uh, for the future. This could be a move that we could look back several years from now, when hopefully we're a Stanley Cup contender, or maybe we win a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years. And we say, you know what, that was the move that really put us in the right direction and took us to that next level. And it's really something that is super, super exciting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dougie Hamilton can do with us moving forward. But today, I'm not really going to talk necessarily about the Devils that much. I'm actually going to spend some time kind of recapping some of the pretty big trades and free agent signings that we've had since really the offseason began, and especially over the last week and change, because I don't know if you guys would agree, but I think, in my opinion, this has been the most exciting offseason for any hockey fan out there in a long, long time. This is the way the free agency period has gone, the way the trades have happened, the expansion draft with, with the question marks that happened there, the NHL entry draft, you know. I remember when the NHL did a documentary back for the 2013-14 season, and they called it NHL Revealed a Season Like No Other. And I had talked about also before this past, you know, regular season, this past season in general was going to be a season like no other. This is an offseason like no other. Considering the situations with several teams and obviously the flat cap and having a new expansion team coming into the league and all the drama that has happened with regards to free agency and trade acquisitions. There's so much going on that is crazy. And I'm going to try to get through as much of it as possible here. So like I always say, we have a ton to get through here on this episode. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we're actually going to start with some devil's rumors, more or less, just a little couple things here or there, because I'm recording this on August 1st. This is the first August edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And this is kind of the month where a lot of things are going to slow down. There still is some intriguing storylines, you know, guys like possibly Thomas Tatar, who are still available in free agency, where they may end up going. There's always the possibility that trades could happen. And one of them does actually involve the New Jersey Devils, more, more or less a trade rumor so to speak, that we'll get to in just a moment. But yeah, there's a lot, there's still a good amount that's happening, but obviously it's not going to be at the same intensity and the same quickness that we got over the last couple of couple of days, basically, over this past week. But I did want to talk about this because I think it's definitely important to talk about. So per the fourth period, uh, David Pagnotta, very, very reliable source, he says that the Devils, the Rangers, and the New York Islanders are in a battle for Vladimir Tarasenko. He adds that there has been progress on a trade. Now, we have talked about Vladimir Tarasenko in the past. We started talking about it when a month and change ago, he requested a trade from the St. Louis Blues. And I remember pointing out that I thought the Devils would be a really good spot for him to come. And at first, there was some Devils fans that said, oh, he's not going to come here, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to, you know, it's it's not going to work out, basically. And I also kind of drop kicked it as well because... At first, when I saw that 
Vladimir Tarasenko has a 10-team no-trade clause. I kind of assumed that the Devils were one of those 10 teams, as we eventually found out about Marc-Andre Fleury's situation. So originally, I looked at it and said, yeah, I mean, it would be great, but also he definitely is injury-prone. He's not the same player that he once was, but if he stays healthy, he could be a really, really tremendous player and an absolute steal for anybody that gets him. But I looked at it and said, yeah, maybe the Devils are looking in a different direction. And it certainly was the case because when Brandon Saad ended up signing a couple of days ago with the St. Louis Blues, it, it was pretty much put out um, from several sources, including Pierre Lebrun, that the Devils had made a very, very aggressive push to sign Brandon Saad to be that top six winger that we're looking for. And so now that that's no longer the case, we have heard that the Devils have been trying to work out a deal possibly with Thomas Tatar, even though from what we're hearing, the Devils and Tatar are not really on an agreement when it comes to the length of the contract. So we'll see if the Devils kind of, you know, circle back to that. But they also apparently have circled back to Vladimir Tarasenko. And Elliot Friedman said a couple of days ago on a Edmonton radio show He's not sure how invested the Devils are in acquiring Vladimir Tarasenko. And I think for the I think for the reasons that I mentioned before is the case. I think because of the fact that he's injury prone and everything, it might make it more difficult. And then again, I saw some people saying, well, you know, again, Vladimir Tarasenko has a 10-team no-trade clause. But reports have come out over the last couple of days or weeks, more or less, that Vladimir Tarasenko has, is pretty much at the point now where he doesn't really care where he goes. He just doesn't want to be in St. Louis anymore. And if that really is the case, then obviously the Devils are a team that can definitely be one of, can definitely jump in and make a move. Now, again, we don't know for certain who exactly has is still involved in with regards to a trade, but Considering that we're at this point, you know, it being August 1st, and we've only heard three names at this point, the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders, I think it's pretty safe to say that these are the three teams at this point that are definitely going to be the ones that have, quote-unquote, been making progress on a trade. When you look at the Rangers and the Islanders, this is this is basically what it is. The Rangers, obviously playing in, you know, right, right in the heart of New York City, biggest media market in the world, a team that's on the rise, you know, obviously for a guy like Tarasenko, who maybe definitely wants to, you know, get to another Stanley Cup and win another Stanley Cup, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be a bad place for him to go. It would certainly help out the Rangers from a goal scoring perspective. And I will say this, it will most definitely take the Rangers out of the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. And the funny thing about the Jack Eichel sweepstakes is that I think at this point, we're literally on one team and that's the Rangers. Because if you go back just on this past Friday, um, the agents of Jack Eichel say, have said that they're very pissed off that a deal has not been made at this point, that they were promised by the Sabres that by at least by the beginning of free agency, that Jack Eichel would have been traded. It sounded like he was going to get traded at the NHL entry draft and nothing has happened. And now it's very, very quiet. And the only things that we've really heard is that basically the Rangers have made several offers to the Sabres, and it's either the Sabres have said no or are still thinking about it. Um, and I can understand it from GM Kevin Adams' perspective of he wants to try to get as much as possible. He wants to get a fair deal because he doesn't want to just give Jack Eichel away for not much. Um, and I think Kevin Adams has done a pretty bang-up job for the most part, except maybe from the goaltending perspective, when it comes to just building the team for this year and moving forward. And they've gotten some really good assets 
for Ristolainen and also decently so for, um, his name escapes me, at the second, I could see him clearly, uh, Sam Reinhardt, that was it. I don't know why his name, I could see him clearly, but his name was escaping me for some reason, but Sam Reinhardt. Um, if the Rangers ended up getting Vladimir Tarasenko, like I said, I think it would basically take them out of the Jack Eichel trade, unless, which would be kind of messed up, if the Rangers then acquired Tarasenko and then used him as one of the pieces in a blockbuster deal to acquire Jack Eichel, um, which I don't know how necessarily um, Vladimir Tarasenko would take that. Would I be surprised that Buffalo was one of the teams as well that was on the 10-team no-trade clause? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And Tarasenko could easily be like, no, I'm not a part of this. And you can go from there. Um, I don't think that would be the case. I think if the Rangers got Tarasenko, I think that they would be like, okay, we're done. We're going to move forward. Because again, the asking price for Eichel has changed several times and it's been pretty tough for a lot of teams to feel confident doing so. Because again, when it comes to Jack Eichel, he wants this artificial hip replacement, which has never been done before for a hockey player. And that could obviously scare some teams. And also the fact that not a single team has been able to get any of the medical records for Jack Eichel from Buffalo also kind of shows you that Buffalo is really trying to make this deal happen where they get as much as they can for him and get the right price for him and then leave and then let him go and obviously let the other team handle all that situation. So it's really an ugly situation. And I think it would be wise of the Sabres to get a deal done before training camp. I know Kevin Adams said basically, oh, you know, it's, you know, we would be totally fine with him being, you know, in training camp with us. Well, Jack Eichel probably wouldn't because he doesn't want to be there. He's basically said he doesn't want to be there. And I wouldn't be surprised if he sat out and was like, I'm not, I'm not going to play. You got to trade me. Um, so I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure there. But going back to the Tarasenko thing, from the Rangers perspective, I think it would be tough. And also the fact they don't have a whole lot of cap space to make this work either. Um they probably would be asking St. Louis to retain some of that salary. From the Islanders' perspective, first of all, I think the Islanders have signed several players. We just haven't officially heard anything. Like Kyle Palmieri, I think at this point, is pretty much on the Islanders long term. I, we just don't know what the contract is. Uh, same thing with Zach Parise. I think he's on the team, and we just don't know about it. And this is Lou Lamorello, and he did this in, in New Jersey as well. Like, even when the Devils acquired Ilya Kovalchuk, there was nothing out there that said the Devils were talking to Atlanta about it. He kept it very hush-hush. This is the way he's operated his entire career. Why change now? So I would say to Islander fans really quick, I don't think you should have anything to worry about. I know it sucks because you just want to you just want to see it be confirmed so you can move on with your lives. But at some point, they're going to say it. At some point, they're going to say, oh, we've signed Kyle Palmieri to this contract. Oh, we've signed Zach Parise to this contract. Oh, we probably signed Anthony Beauvillier to a new contract, um, unless Beauvillier somehow gets involved in a trade for somebody. And I would say this, the Islanders would be really dumb to, to use Beauvillier as a trade chip to acquire Vladimir Tarasenko. Beauvillier is younger. He's been, he's obviously, you know, has still a lot of potential, hasn't reached his full potential yet, and has done very well in the Islander system. I think it would be wise to keep him, but it's tough. Oh, and they also have to, uh, signed restricted free agent Adam Pellick. And there's some RFAs that still need to be signed. And that's really interesting, particularly in Vancouver with both Pedersen and Luke Hughes. Uh, so there's still, like I said before, it's a little quiet right now when it comes to moves and everything, but 
there's still things that are going to have to happen before next season begins. So definitely keep your eyes out for things because it's not like it's just going to be completely dead until the beginning of training camp for a lot of teams, including New Jersey. Um, the Devils still need to, I think, pay $800,000 to get on, to get to the cap floor, which, I mean, with guys like Sharon Govich probably signing RFA contracts uh, or qualifying offers, I think um, they'll get to that point, at, at, you know, eventually. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens moving forward. But let's look at this situation with Tarasenko. Again, with the Islanders, Again, they also don't have a lot of cap space, and they probably will have less if they do indeed sign some of the guys that I just mentioned a moment ago. So again, the Islanders would be somebody would be a tough place again, and they would have to also, just like the Rangers, ask the St. Louis Blues to retain salary. So that's that's something to keep in mind. But I, but you go to the Devils. And the only thing that's pretty much not attractive to Tarasenko probably is the fact that the Devils have for the last several years been towards the bottom of the NHL. And even though we have a very, very young and talented roster and we brought in guys like Dougie Hamilton now and also, you know, bringing in Jonathan Bernie to help out with the goaltending and everything, it still may not be an attractive place right now. The hope is, is that moving forward, we start to become that and start making it a more desirable place. And I think with adding Dougie Hamilton, that certainly helps. But there's something else that I wanted to mention here. And, it, and it's, it's basically this. The biggest advantage the Devils have in this whole negotiating period is simply cap space. They can eat all of Tarasenko's deal the, next, the last two years of it, uh, unlike the Rangers and the Islanders, basically. Um, and I think that that's going to definitely be something that's interesting to St. Louis. I want to look at it this way as well. If Tarasenko didn't have a no trade clause, I feel like a deal would have already happened. And also the fact that Tarasenko is probably not gaining the value that he's, he should be gaining primarily because of the fact that he's been hurt. So a lot of teams are trying to get him cheap, including the Devils. And understandably so, the Devils in many ways have more to offer. They could say, look, man, unlike the Rangers and Islanders, we could take on his entire contract no problem. It's not a big deal to us. Um, and we can give you a decent amount, but we're telling you, we are giving you an opportunity to gain some cap space so you can sign some of the RFAs that you have, and they have several RFAs they have, they have to get done with, um, you know, we just make it easier on you. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And also, Neil McHale tweeted this out. Well, he basically quote tweeted the main tweet about, you know, Tarasenko uh, possibly going to the Devils. Uh, he said, if the Devils are indeed in a bit of a battle over Tarasenko here, it might not be bad that the Devils' advisory to hockey operations is our legendary goaltender, Martin Brodeur, who has been a part of some previous pitches, including obviously bringing in guys like Corey Crawford and Jonathan Bernier. And also, I think he was certain, I'm, I'm pretty certain he was involved in convincing Dougie Hamilton to come here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Uh, and has a relationship with the Blues front office, as most of you probably should know, but if you don't, when Martin Brodeur ended up going to St. Louis and playing seven, eight games, after he was done and he officially retired, he, event, he, he actually worked um, with the St. Louis Blues for a little while in their hockey operations of some sort, and then eventually came back here to New Jersey, which is something that I think we all expected. I think he was going to be in St. Louis, and then when it was time to take the next step in that part of his career, I think he wanted to come back to New Jersey. And so 
we have a very, very interesting um, piece to use to convince Tarasenko to come here. And also, do I think that Vladimir Tarasenko has gotten an email from Tom Fitzgerald about the same email that maybe like Dougie Hamilton and Jonathan Bernier got? I wouldn't be surprised. I would use that. It worked. It's worked already. Can't hurt to work now. So I'm not trying to come on here and say to you guys that the Devils are definitely going to probably be the ones that end up getting Tarasenko. I think when you just look at the other two teams, the Rangers and the Islanders, and you look at what they have to offer and and that they might make it a little bit more difficult to make a deal work with St. Louis, I just think the Devils make the most amount of sense at this point. And Tom Fitzgerald did say when he spoke to the media the same day that Dougie Hamilton spoke to the media, Fitzgerald said that he's still looking for a top six forward. When we go back to the beginning of this offseason, we knew that there were three places that needed to be filled. We needed to find a decent 1B backup for Mackenzie Blackwood. We found that in Jonathan Bernier. We needed to add a top defenseman, and we added two top defensemen in both Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves, who both, analytically speaking, combined is one of the top deep pairing um, deep pairs in the NHL. So that goes a lot. And both of these guys are going to be playing with each other for the first time. And again, I do think that they should be the, the top pairing moving forward, unless you want to get cute and try to have Ty Smith play with Dougie Hamilton, which honestly wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea either. And that'll be something to keep our eye on over the next two, three months uh, when we get to training camp and obviously the season starts and everything like that. But when you look at, and the, the third thing basically is this, we need a top six forward because we need help on the goal scoring. Because even if you look at the roster now, which from the forward perspective is basically the same um, from last year, it needs work. You look at the defensive core, we've certainly improved that. Goaltending, we've improved it. We need more goal scoring. We need a guy who has a nose for the goal that, is, that can score 25, 30 goals. When Vladimir Tarasenko is healthy, he's one of the best in the game when it comes to scoring goals. He would be a almost perfect addition. Another guy that I think would be good is obviously Thomas Tatar. And who knows where that might go. But uh, Tom Fitzgerald also said that he's not going to just go chase somebody and force this to happen. He's going to let the game come to him. He's not going to go crazy. He's not going to try to overpay for anything unless unless it's free agency, which I understand you overpay in free agency. That's how it works. But if the Blues want to make a deal with the devil, see what I did there? Make a deal with the devils. Tom Fitzgerald knows that he has he holds most of the cards here because he says, look, out of the three teams, if it's just us and the Rangers and the Islanders, out of us three teams, we give you the most that works in your favor. We can take his entire contract, no questions asked, and we'll give you some assets and you can go from there. I don't know what the Devils would end up having to give up. My guess is that they'd have to give up a pick, maybe two, who knows, and probably a prospect. Um, I don't know who that prospect is, but it might have to be a cheap one if the Blues want to continue to try to have a decent amount of cap space to sign some of their RFAs. So it might be a guy like... You know, I, I don't know, like there's maybe student each. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. Maybe a Nolan foot, uh, although I'm skeptical about giving up Nolan foot for Tarasenko. But again, this is just something to keep in mind. This is just something to keep in mind. And uh, uh, it'll be cur- It'll be really interesting to see, especially over the next week or so, where things go. Because I feel like that the Blues at this point really do want to make this deal happen very soon and they want to be able to have time to get their other contracts situated so 
let's keep our eyes peeled for anything and let's see what happens. Let's see if the Devils end up making the move to acquire him or they go out and get someone else. It's going to be interesting because that's the last thing on this checklist for this offseason. Devils got to finish. And I'm sure Fitzgerald will get that finished sooner rather than later. But now I want to shift to the main uh, chunk of this edition of Devil's State of Mind podcast. And we do have a lot to get to. And we've already, I think we're already 20 minutes in. So obviously this is going to be another one of the many long episodes that we have on, on here. But hey, you guys come here and you guys like to hear me talk. So I'm going to keep talking. So mainly what I was talking about before is that we obviously know the moves the Devils have made for obvious reasons. Devil's State of Mind podcast, we cover the Devils. But I wanted to talk about some notable trades and notable free agency moves that have happened and kind of give a quick little opinion on most of them. Some of them I may just say, you know, what happened and then move forward, but I'm going to give my opinion on them because I want to talk about them. Because again, this has been a fascinating, very exciting um, offseason for a lot of us, not just the Devils, for a lot of teams. And, you know, we got we definitely have to talk about it. So. Let's start with the trades because I think that's a I think that's a really good place to start because of drama. You guys like drama, and this is certainly going to be drama. So I'm going to kind of go in alphabetical order, and I'm not going to obviously talk about every single trade. I'm just going to go through the most notable ones, and there were a lot of notable trades. And it starts with obviously back on July 12th when the Blackhawks traded one of their longtime players, Duncan Keith, and also forward Tim Sutherland, Sutherland, excuse me, to the Oilers for Caleb Jones and a 2022 conditional pick. Also, I believe the Oilers gave the Blackhawks money to make this move happen. So, I mean, the, the Oilers are paying the Blackhawks to give them Duncan Keith. So it's, it's a really, it's a really fascinating thing. It's one of the many moves that Ken Holland has made this offseason. And it, you want to talk about a guy that's really, really upset a lot of people. It's Ken Holland. Um, it'll be really intriguing to see how this all works out for Edmonton moving forward. Um, but yeah, this was definitely a move that was kind of a surprise. I mean, we knew that Duncan Keith was looking to move out to the Pacific Northwest, whether that was obviously going to Seattle or Edmonton, or I think Winnipeg maybe, or Calgary was one of them, but it ended up being Edmonton. And the funny thing that people forgot to mention is that Caleb Jones is the brother of Seth Jones. And that will be important in just a few minutes. But that was the first notable trade that I saw. The next one was a couple of days later on the 17th when the Maple Leafs traded Philip Hollander at a 2023 seventh round pick to the Pittsburgh Penguins for forward Jared McCann. Now, Jared McCann ended up getting picked up in the expansion draft by the Seattle Kraken. The reason why this happened, this move happened, was simply this. Seattle... I think was pretty much keen on selecting Alex Kerfoot, a former New Jersey Devils prospect, um, from the Leafs in the expansion draft. And I think that the Leafs looked at it and said, well, if we make this move to get McCann, it's either we're losing McCann or we're losing um, Kerfoot and replacing him with Jared McCann. And so what ended up happening is that the Seattle took McCann and the Leafs kept Kerfoot. So really the Leafs technically didn't lose anybody from the expansion draft, considering the fact that Jeremy Ken never played a single game in Toronto. So, I mean, was it worth it? I mean, it kind of worked out. I mean, do I think Jeremy Ken is better than Alex Kerfoot? I think there's an argument that can be made. Um, you could have also kept both. You could have put Justin Hall on the, the non-protected list and 
could have gone from there, but you know, you chose to keep Kerfoot. So that's, so that's that. So basically the Leafs traded a, the, the Leafs basically traded Philip Hollander, a seventh round pick and Jared McCann to Pittsburgh and Seattle, you know, respectively, just to protect Alex Kerfoot. Seems like a decent amount to do to protect a player, but it is what it is. So that was an interesting trade. And I guess it kind of worked out for the Leafs, if that's the way they went. Now, the next one that also happened on the 17th, there was actually three that I have here that happened on the 17th of July. The next one was when the Rangers traded a 2022 seventh round pick to the Lightning for Barkley Goodrow, to the rights to Barkley Goodrow. And then Goodrow ended up signing a six-year, $21.85 million contract with the Rangers, which also includes a $3.5 million signing bonus, and he's earning an annual average salary of $3.6 million. Barkley Goodrow is a solid player. He is not worth that much money, and I'm really surprised that the Rangers gave him that much money um, because he's not a top six player, and that's a pretty decent amount of money to give up to a bottom six player. And you often wonder if the reason that he was so good in Tampa is because of the benefit that he had of playing with, um, with Blake Coleman. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, but I will just say this. The Metropolitan Division from the trade perspective was very, very active. The Devils started it. And then also they were the last they, they had the first trade of the offseason and they had the last one, at least for now. But the rest of the Metropolitan Division did a lot. And that involves the, nec- the next trade, when the Flyers acquired defenseman Ryan Ellis from Nashville in exchange for defenseman Philip Myers and forward Nolan Patrick. So things kind of come basically now that we can basically say that the Devils ended up making more or less the right choice when it came to picking between, obviously, Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick. Now, obviously, you look at the next two picks, Pedersen and, and Miro Heiskanen. Um, you know, did the Devils necessarily make the right choice overall? I think that's still a debate, but we'll see down the road. But then, Nolan Patrick was traded to Vegas for Cody Glass right after that. So, Nolan Patrick will be a Golden Knight moving forward. So, that was kind of an interesting one, and you got to give the Flyers credit. They got a really, really good defenseman in Ryan Ellis, and he's certainly going to help them 100%. But the Flyers made another couple of moves that left us with some question marks. Because if they had just stopped there, been like, okay, great, that's good. You upgraded your defense. Well done. But we'll get to the next move that they made in just a second. You move to the 22nd of July. The Detroit Red Wings acquired goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic from Carolina in exchange for the rights to Jonathan Bernier and a third-round pick. Now, we obviously know what happened to Jonathan Bernier. He's with us now. And apparently, the reason that Jonathan Bernier didn't end up in Carolina was basically from the standpoint of, I think Bernier was looking for some more money and Carolina wouldn't budge. And obviously, you could see why. They ended up taking, they ended up signing Freddie Anderson and obviously also Antti Ranta. Uh, to be their goaltending tandem of the future. But I was so stunned when Nedeljkovic got traded. I was like, didn't he just have like a really awesome playoffs for Carolina? What the hell did I just miss? Apparently it had to do with the money on this qualifying offer because I think he's an RFA and the the Hurricanes chose not to 
getting that money. So he gets traded to Detroit, signs a two-year deal. And basically the, uh, the, the Red Wings and Steve Eiserman, who continues to fleece a lot of teams in the NHL as a GM, uh, just got a young franchise goaltender for nothing. So that's pretty damn good, Stevie Y, as he normally continues to do that. I, I don't get why people pick up the phone when Eiserman calls. I feel like at this point you should just stop because he's going to fleece your team. He's going to take advantage of it. And I don't know if somehow Eisenman saw the saw into the future that Bernier wasn't going to stay in Carolina, but it worked out. I mean, it worked out for us. It worked out for Detroit. We all win. Carolina was definitely one of the teams that took a lot of flack during these last week, this last week or so with the moves they made and the moves that they chose not to make. So that's something to keep in mind. The other major acquisition that day was the Coyotes, who I think have had a really intriguing offseason because of the fact that they've taken on contracts with also big assets. They've done a pretty good job, honestly, of acquiring a crap load of assets with the salary cap space that they have. So I got to give them credit for that. And, you know, they're not going to be a majorly competitive team, but, you know, it could work out. Who knows? But they do have a lot of good assets that they can use for the future that they can build a team for once. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But the Coyotes acquired defenseman Shane Gostaspare, a second-round pick, and a seventh-round pick in 2022 from the Flyers in exchange for future considerations. Really? That's it? That's all you got? I, and look, it wasn't necessary for Goss Despair to be dealt. I get it. He was put on waivers at one point, and he was having some difficulty, but he was your best overall defenseman on the left side. So what exactly was the point there? Um, and, and at that point, I was thinking, okay, so maybe they're going after an, uh, a lefty shooting defenseman in the free agent market. I don't know. Clearly, it was a, a head-scratching move. It was a very head-scratching move. But then the Flyers made an even bigger head-scratching move the very next day. They acquired Rasmus Ristolainen from the Sabres in exchange for defenseman Robert Hag, a 2021 first-round pick and a 2023 second-round pick. Holy hell, Kevin Adams. Job well done. You got a crap load for Ristolainen. You got more for Ristolainen than you got for Sam Reinhardt. That is phenomenal. From the Flyers' perspective, you just got Ryan Ellis on the right side. Now you're adding Ristolainen? And you're talking about bettering your defense? From an analytical standpoint, Ristolainen's been terrible. He doesn't play defense. So I don't really get what the point of this was. And if you're going to try to convince anybody that you're going to move one of them to the left side and have two right shooting defensemen, that, that to me seems like a stretch. Oh, also, they signed Martin Jones to a one-year deal to back up Carter Hart. That's interesting. Not great, but maybe he'll have a bounce back year. But it certainly helps the Devils just from looking at it on paper. We'll see what happens. So the Flyers have had an interesting offseason, to say the least. But let's just continue on with the Metropolitan Division because we just decided to feel like being the most interesting division of the offseason. The St. Louis Blues ended up acquiring Pavel Buchnevich from the New York Rangers for Sammy Blay and a second-round pick in 2022. 
And then Buchnevich ended up signing a four-year, $23.2 million contract with an annual average salary of 5.8. Did the Rangers really have to give up Buchnevich? Like, what was the point of that? Other than maybe they're probably really going to push to try to get Jack Eichel. But couldn't you have used Buchnevich in a trade to get Jack Eichel? Couldn't that have gotten you a decent amount? I mean, couldn't it have been pretty valuable to, to Buffalo? I, I don't know. Maybe Buchnevich had a no-movement clause. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it was like, a, what the hell? Like, I don't get it. Apparently, and also, by the way, the Rangers traded and then later signed Ryan Reeves to a contract. So guess who Ryan Reeves gets to see four to six times next season? Tom Wilson, his best friend. I guess the Rangers are trying to be a grittier team, a more physical team, because they have a lot of talent. And they're trying to have people here who can protect them. Tom Wilson really destroyed a franchise, like really broke them apart. Because the Rangers have had so much turnover over the last two months. It's crazy to see how much has changed. I'm blown away by it. Buchnevich gets to go to St. Louis, and now they also have Brandon Saad. They definitely are going to move Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, they have no choice unless they want to lose some of their RFAs. It's it's crazy. But uh, St. Louis, well done. The Rangers, I don't get that, but it is what it is. Um, and then we had two more moves that were really, really big. Um, moves that we kind of saw coming, we knew were going to happen several months ago and now officially happen. Vancouver acquired Oliver ekman Larson and restricted free agent forward uh, Connor Garland from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for forwards Louis Erickson. So Canucks finally got Louis Erickson's contract off the boards. Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel and a first-round pick, which ended up being ninth overall in the 2021 NHL draft a second-round pick in 2022, and a seventh-round pick in 2023. And then Connor Garland signed a five-year, $24.75 million contract with the Canucks, earning an annual average salary of just under $5 million, $4.95 to be exact. We knew that Oliver ekman Larson was going to be on the move even last year. And they finally were able to get a deal done. And again, Arizona uses the amount of cash space that they have to bring in a expensive asset in Louis Erickson, expensive contract, and get a first-round pick. Remember, they had to void their first-round pick of this year because of the stuff with, um, with Sheka. So they end up getting a first-round pick anyway, which ended up being ninth overall. So they were able to get a top prospect anyway. And obviously, you know, maybe Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel can contribute one way or another. The... the, the um, the Arizona Coyotes are going to be a relatively older team, um, and we'll see how they compete in the Pacific Division. And then you look at Vancouver. Jim Benning, are you okay? Like, what's going on here? Why, why would you make this move and then also be like, oh, we definitely have to sign Luke Hughes and, and uh, Elias Pettersson to contracts? With what money? Where is this coming from? And this is, again, why, you know, speaking for Devils fans, why, again, the – obviously wanting to have Quinn Hughes come to New Jersey to play with both Jack and Luke is, could be a possibility down the road because where the hell, you know, is Luke going to be able to get a long-term deal in Vancouver? I don't know. Is Elias Pettersson? My friends, I've mentioned it before. I know it seems a little risky, but who's stopping the devils from being a team that could throw out an offer sheet to somebody. 
I don't think it's impossible that it could happen. But Jim Benning, the hell are you doing, man? This is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. So you're willing to. So again, also, I just want to put this out. You're willing to give a big load of money to Connor Garland, but you didn't want to give money to Tyler Toffoli. Why? Like, what is the what was the thinking process going on there? I don't get that. It's really weird. These teams are making weird moves that I'm still trying to understand. So I, I got nothing. And then the last major move, again, this was another one that we saw coming. The Blackhawks ended up acquiring defenseman Seth Jones, a first-round pick, which was number two, 32 overall, originally belonging to the Tampa Lightning, and a sixth-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for defenseman and brother of Jesper, Adam Boquist, a first-round pick and a second-round pick selection at the 2021 NHL draft. And then right after that, Seth Jones signed a six-year, $32.4 million contract extension with the, well, I mean, he signed it with the Columbus Blue Jackets, but now it's obviously the, um, in ownership of the Chicago Blackhawks, and he's earning an annual average salary of 5.4. By the way, that's that's a little bit more than what Dougie Hamilton is making. And from an analytical perspective, Dougie Hamilton has been a lot better than Seth Jones. So the Devils deal with, with Dougie Hamilton, when you look at it, it's not even in the top five biggest contracts for defensemen. And there's two of them in the top five that were signed during this offseason. So the Devils did a pretty bang-up job of giving a lot of money to Dougie Hamilton, but doing it wisely. And it also benefits them from the contract itself, could help them if they buy him out down the road, which, considering long-term deals, I wouldn't be surprised that ends up being the case down the road, but who knows? Who knows? Let's not, let's not go there. Let's not think about that. But that was another blockbuster deal. Chicago, the funny thing about it, and you can talk to WCB podcast. They're, they're great, by the way. They cover the Chicago Blackhawks. Great guys. We're definitely going to be talking to them throughout the offseason. You know, Bowman said that he wanted to rebuild. With this move and obviously other moves that we'll talk about in just a moment, is this really a rebuild or are you just looking at it like, you know what, we still have Kane and Taze. Let's try to go after another cup. Because then what was the point of saying you wanted to rebuild if this is not rebuilding? This is retooling. This is like, okay, we're moving on some, from some other guys, and now we're, we're, bringing in, we're bringing in these guys. I don't know. And, and again, this is why when Caleb Jones was a part of the Duncan Keith trade coming to Chicago, it almost felt like a guarantee. Okay, Chicago's definitely getting Seth Jones now because they're like, hey, we have your brother. Maybe you guys can play together. You know, it's... It's a possibility, but yeah, that ended up happening. So now we move to the 24th of July. And again, mind you guys, we're still talking about trades. We still have the free agency to go through. And, and again, I apologize for the length of this episode, but we got to get through all of this. The Flyers acquired forward Cam Atkinson from the Blue Jackets for forward Jakob Voracek. Kind of a surprise. I mean, certainly from a forward perspective, I think the Flyers benefit from getting Kim Atkinson. Columbus obviously trying to be a rebuilding team. They take Voracek's contract. I think Voracek will actually do pretty well in Columbus. Um, and he, I think it will certainly help out uh, a guy like Patrick Laine and even Domi um, and Jack Roslevic. I mean, they still have a decent team. It's not like they're terrible by any means. But they're clearly showing that they want to, you know, 
obviously get a little bit younger and try to, you know, retool, rebuild more or less this team. So that was a one for one. And certainly from a forward perspective, I think the Flyers got a little bit better, even though I think Voracek is still a very, very valuable player in this league, despite his age. And then we had another one of the big trades from Buffalo. The Florida Panthers acquired forward Sam Reinhardt from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for their 2022 first round pick at goaltender Devin Levy, who was really impressive in the World Junior Championships for Team Canada. So that's something to keep in mind. So they do have another young goaltender, but again, another goalie that's not really ready for the NHL. So considering that Buffalo signed Aaron Dell, my guess is Aaron Dell ends up being the starter next year. I guess. I don't really know. I I got nothing. I I can't explain what Buffalo's point is. But um, at the time of this recording, Sam Reinhart has still yet to sign his, um, his next contract. And again, I think Florida will get that done. I think they're just working out the particulars. And going from there. But that was another move. And now we get to, without a doubt, the biggest move of the entire offseason. In the morning of the 27th of July, so back on Tuesday, the Chicago Blackhawks acquired Mark andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Ford Mikel Hakarainen. That's it. That is it. Wow. Mind-blowing to me. First of all, we had heard rumors that Vegas was going to move one of their goaltenders. And then Elliot Freeman mentioned that the Devils were making a deal for Robin Leonard, and it didn't work out. But then we also heard that the Blackhawks were entertaining acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury from Vegas. And we just didn't know what was going to happen. And then we found out that morning, Fleury's going to Chicago but it gets even better. Flurry didn't, wasn't even told by the organization that he had been traded. He found out on Twitter, Kevin Weeks reached out to him and said, how do you feel? And he goes about what? So you've just been traded. And he goes, I have. And he goes on social media and sure enough, that's how he found out. And he said, I haven't heard from anybody. And I think he still hasn't heard from anybody. And it's a strange strange phenomenon and then you're hearing vegas told mark andre Fleury he was going to retire a golden knight that he wasn't going anywhere and they lied to him and they've been lying to several players i mean look they've been trying to move some of their top guys for two years now and it's a crazy thing it's like you have this great team why are you moving people i get it you had a you know you were up in the cap so then why did you go out and get Alex Petrangelo for that much money if you were there? Like, what was the point of that? What are you doing, my guy? What are you do- Bill Foley, are you on drugs? This proved to me that the Vegas Golden Knights organization just didn't care that much about the person that Marc-Andre Fleury is because Marc-Andre Fleury should be in the Hall of Fame for personality. He's a phenomenal human being. Everybody loves him. That smile that he has, it's iconic. And this man just won the goddamn Vesna this year. The Vesna at 37 years of age. This dude is a legend. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's third all-time in wins. And he needs only eight more to get to 500. What the hell is going on? So Marc-Andre Fleury gets traded. And then we're all of a sudden hearing that apparently Hucker Ryan might not even be playing for Vegas this year. Did you just add him in there just to make the trade official? 
So are you mean to tell me that Marc-Andre Fleury was dealt for nothing? And you got more for trading Ryan Reeves two days, two, three days ago to the Rangers than for Marc-Andre Fleury? What the hell are you doing? Now, we also found out, by the way, just talking from the Devils' perspective, that the Devils were never really in these discussions for Flurry because Flurry had the Devils as one of the 10 teams in his no-trade clause. So that doesn't surprise me. It is what it is. It's not a big deal. And I'm not mad at Flurry because I get it. I understand completely. But it's crazy. And then we're hearing that Flurry is considering retirement, that he doesn't want to move his family back over to cross country. Cause mind you, we had to do that from Pittsburgh to Vegas. Now he's got to go from Vegas to Chicago. So now he's considering retirement and I'm looking at it from Chicago's perspective saying, why the hell would you make this move? If you weren't sure that that flurry wanted to be here. And considering by the way, that Chicago is still dealing with the sex scandal that's going on from back in 2010. When you talk about the culture of Chicago, that doesn't really make it a good place to be, does it? Considering that there could be massive repercussions for this, especially if you have big name players like Taze and Kane, who possibly may know that may have known that all this was going on. Makes you wonder. But again, I'm recording this on August 1st, 2021. And about two hours ago, the Chicago Blackhawks tweeted out an emoji, a flower emoji. Five minutes later, we're told that Mark Andre first told the Blackhawks he wants to play. So he will be a Chicago Blackhawk for this season. This one year, one year left on his contract is $7 million. I often wonder now if guys like Kane and Taze called him and said, hey, man, look, we have a really good team. And you could be the missing piece to us being a team that not only can make noise in the Western Conference, but could definitely compete for Stanley Cup. I think with the goaltending tandem of Lankinen and Marc-Andre Fleury, it's very solid. And now you have Seth Jones. You have guys like Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. I mean, you have a very, very talented team with and, – and you have an organization that definitely wants to try to win. And I think Fleury would love to try to win at least one more Stanley Cup in his career before he retires. And I tweeted this out earlier. I would love nothing more than to see, see Fleury not only prove Vegas wrong, but also dominate. Like, I would love to see them match up in the playoffs and Flurry just dominate and almost single-handedly win that series for them. I want poetic justice because Flurry is a tremendous goaltender, a tremendous human being, and doesn't deserve to be disrespected by this BS franchise of just four years. Of just four years. And in two of these years, they've dicked around with players. Why? You, you... You had so much going for you as a very young franchise who has yet to miss the playoffs in its existence with so many riches of talent and the best goaltending tandem in the NHL at one point in Flurry and Leonard. And you just kicked it away. Oh, it's a business. My ass. That was uncalled for. You didn't even have to do it. You were, you were good on Casper. Like, you didn't have to do this. And if you did, you could have dealt him and gotten more for him. But this was just a complete cap dump. And Chicago just got a Hall of Fame reigning Vesna Trophy winner who's still playing well despite being 37 years of age for nothing. 
Chicago has had one of the most impressive off seasons with regards to acquiring talent I've seen. They even got Tyler Johnson, who I honestly, I know his contract's ridiculous. And I know Tampa was trying desperately for several years to move it, but he's still a good player. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He could help out in Chicago. Bowman has gone against everything he said and went out and, and, and got Seth Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Tyler Johnson. I don't think any Blackhawk fan would have told you two months ago or even a month ago that this was going to happen. Just getting Seth Jones was awesome. But now you get Marc-Andre Fleury, and now he wants to play? Chicago just put themselves in position to be a Stanley Cup contender this year. And with Jonathan Tays coming back in the fold, and also, by the way, you got rid of Brent Seabrook's contract? Job well done, Chicago. Vegas? Uh, yeah, good luck with all that. Anyway, let's move on here. Let's move on to uh, the day of day one of free agency because there were some trades that happened that day. First of all, the Hurricanes acquired defenseman Ethan Bear from Edmonton in exchange for Warren Fogle. Edmonton, what the hell again? I mean, did you have to give up Ethan Bear? Did you really have to? I don't know what's going on here. Why'd you do that? Whatever. That's all I got to say. Vegas then ends up acquiring forward Evgeny Dadnoff from Ottawa in exchange for Nick Holden and a 2022 third-round pick. So that experiment in Ottawa for Dadnoff did not go well. And obviously, Ottawa was able to get some assets for it. Good on Ottawa. That's not a bad haul for, uh, for Daddy. Um, and then we had another big goalie trade uh, once and I'm going to kind of spoil it because, again, this was a free move. But once Philip Grubauer ended up signing with the Seattle Kraken, Colorado became the obvious place for Arizona to go when it comes to dealing with Dar Darcy Kemper, who has one year left on his deal and cl clearly doesn't want to be in Arizona anymore. Colorado acquires Darcy Kemper from the Coyotes in exchange for defenseman Connor Timmins. They're a 2022 first-round pick and a conditional third-round pick in 2024 again. Arizona using their cap space to acquire some good assets and draft picks. Job well done. And obviously Colorado gets a very solid, not obviously the same level as Grubauer, but another very solid goaltender, Darcy Kemper, who they probably could end up re-signing at a lower rate than they did. They would have had to with Philip Grubauer. And again, it was between Gabriel Landeskog and Grubauer, unless one of them took a very friendly team discount. And that was not going to be the case. And so, Colorado chose Landeskog, Grubauer moves on. A Vesna Trophy finalist now plays in Seattle and definitely makes their goaltending tandem uh, with Drieger much better and makes them a little bit more competitive. So it makes, it makes it a little bit more interesting of a team there over in Seattle. And that is basically all of the notable trades that we happen. Wow. And that's just the trades, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to free agency, shall we? And again, I'm not going to talk about the Devils because we already know what they've done. But I'm just going to kind of go through uh, a handful of the teams and a handful of notable players. Uh, the Bruins signed Nick Foligno and Linus Olmark. Uh, so that's pretty good. Um, obviously, Foligno wants to try to continue to try to compete for a Stanley Cup. He couldn't, he couldn't stay um, in Toronto. Um, Olmark uh, obviously could be a guy that could take over while, um, I mean, they still have to re-sign uh, Tuka Rask, but Tuka Rask is going to be out for a couple months, so Olmark will take over the reins uh, and go from there. Um, I think also Vlader, Vlader got traded to Calgary, so now they have um, 
his name escapes me, but they had the other young goaltender there that they're going to use a Tanner, but Allmark gets a pretty good deal. So you go from there. Former New Jersey Devil legend, as a lot of us like to call him, uh, Blake Coleman, two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, gets his big payday, signs a six-year deal with the Calgary Flames, which is kind of like, I thought the Flames were rebuilding. Yet they go out and they give this, this a decent amount of money to Blake Coleman. I mean, I guess they're still trying to compete with this core, even though I thought they were going to move on from this core. But guess not. But good for you, Pickles. Very happy to see you finally get that money uh, and go from there. So we're wishing you the best um, across the border. And then Freddie Anderson, as I mentioned before, Freddie Anderson and Antirantha signed in Carolina. They also signed Tony D'Angelo. So that's going to be interesting to see with, you know, obviously what happened with D'Angelo on social media over the past year and change and, you know, him being bought out and all that. That'll be interesting to say. Um, I'll be fascinated to see what happens in his first game back in the garden. Uh, see how people react. I also mentioned before, Landis Scott resigned an eight, eight, nine, uh, eight year deal uh, with Colorado. I think Landis Scott never wanted to leave Colorado. And so they were finally, Colorado finally decided to give him the money that he wanted and move from there. Patrick Liney took the qualifying offer from Columbus. Once again, he's betting on himself. Uh, and if he's, if he continues to do what he's been doing when it comes to betting on himself, he's going to have a big year offensively and it's going to once again make him a very very um very very wanted player in the market so that's something to keep in mind uh earlier this offseason the stars gave a huge deal to Miro Haskinen so they're able to keep him Detroit actually just re-signed earlier this week uh Bertuzzi who was subject to trade rumors including with the Devils also signed um Suter to a two-year deal after he had been bought out from Minnesota so he's going to um He's going to Detroit for two years, so it'll be the first time in a long time that Suter and Parise will not be playing on the same team. Zach Hyman, uh, one of the top wingers in the free agent market, signed a seven-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Yikes. And he said that he went to Edmonton because they gave him the best chance to win. Double yikes. Um, at least Toronto won a couple playoff games in the first round. Um, we'll see how Hyman benefits from playing with guys like Dreisaitl and also Connor, uh, Connor McDavid, uh, another head-scratching move by Edmonton, but, you know, considering also the fact that you're keeping Koskinen and Mike Smith as your goalies, oh boy, there's going to be a lot of fun going on in, uh, in Edmonton moving forward. Yeah, you, you lost also Larson and you lost Ethan Bear. What's your defense going to look like? Good luck with that. Um, another... Another move, Philip Deneau signed a six-year deal with the Kings. So they have, I guess you could say they're number one or number two uh, centerman. He's obviously one of the best at face-off percentage, so that's certainly going to be something. And we'll see if Deneau helps um, L.A. take that next step in, tour, you know, in their rebuild and kind of helps them be a little bit more competitive moving forward. Um, Savard and Hoffman both signed in Montreal. So uh, with Deneau and obviously Corey Perry leaving Montreal, they replaced them with Savard and Hoffman. So I like that. I think those moves work out. Um, doesn't really make up for the fact that you still drafted Logan uh, Malu in the first round, considering what happened with him. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know what? This is Mark Bergevin, man. He makes moves that are kind of questionable. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. Keith Yandel on a one-year deal to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, solid. That's all I got to say. Uh, James Reimer goes back to San Jose after being there back in 2016. He signs a deal 
with the San Jose Sharks. So it looks like James Reimer will be the number one in San Jose. Um, not bad. Reimer's still a very solid goaltender. I think he is an improvement from Martin Jones. So I don't know if this is more of a move to try to continue to compete with the core that they have. Um, but it's a solid one, considering that San Jose didn't have a whole lot of cap space for them to still get a decent deal with James Reimer is a job well done by them. And I also mentioned before, Philip Grubauer signed a six-year deal with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, that's the big free agency acquisition that Seattle had on the docket. And they get a best of the trophy finalist out of it. It certainly makes them a more competitive team in the Pacific. And I think it will definitely help them make a case to being a playoff contender in year one. Uh, Brandon Saad, again, I mentioned this before, he signed a five-year deal with the Blues. Uh, the Devils were certainly on his radar and they made a big effort to try to get him and it didn't work out. So Saad goes to St. Louis Blues and maybe that just, like I said, I think that pretty much pushes the envelope when it comes to making a deal to, uh, to trade Vladimir Tarasenko. So I think that's, uh, I think that's something to keep in mind moving forward. Corey Perry, if you can't beat him, join him, signs a two-year deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So with the very little money that uh, Tampa Bay had, uh, they ended up getting Corey Perry. So we'll see how he benefits from playing with a lot of really good players and hopefully trying to be part of a team that can look to try to 3 P be the first team in NHL history to 3 P. I think. Um, could be wrong about that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. And the last, last move, so to speak, that I would call my attention were the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, again, one of the teams didn't have a whole lot of money. They spent a decent amount on Peter Morazic to be the 1B to Jack Campbell. Uh, Andre Cache and Nick Ritchie both signed um, some deals. Nick Ritchie, I think, on a two-year deal. Cache on a, on a one-year deal. And what I like about it from Toronto's perspective is this. Um, first of all, obviously, um, uh, Kyle Dubas really likes the Sioux Greyhound alum since like half the team has played for the Sioux, uh, ground, you know, the Sioux Greyhounds in their, in their, uh, junior careers. Um, but what I really like about it from Richie and Kasha's standpoint is this Kasha not too long ago had a 20 goal season. His problem is that he can't stay healthy, but he is a low risk high reward player. If he stays healthy, this guy has top six potential. Nick Ritchie, he had 15 goals, which was already a career high. And he was on pace in a regular NHL season to have 20, to have at least 20 goals. And he's a guy that has been in the top in with regards to hits. And he's a decent player that is going to obviously test the penalty kill of the Toronto Maple Leafs since he does take a lot of penalties. Um, but he's somebody that can bring in a little bit more physicality. So I think the Leafs, what they wanted to try to do is make themselves a little bit tougher, a little bit more playoff tested, so to speak, and also just go for low risk, high reward deals. And that's what they did here. And I like what Kyle Dubas has done. Uh, he believes in this core. He wants to add a little bit of help here and there and kind of go from there. Peter Morazic, I think, is going to be a solid 1B guy for um, – for Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic was definitely on my radar as potent as one of the potential guys that could have been a one B in New Jersey. Um, but that ended up not being the case, but Kyle Dubas making some really, um, really solid moves that are going to, I think, benefit the Maple Leafs uh, down the stretch with the amount of time they have. So that is the whole recap of the notable trades and free agent acquisitions that teams make. Let me know on Twitter and Instagram at Devil State on Twitter at Devil State on Instagram uh, what you guys think of any of the moves that happened, uh, which ones are the ones that stand out to you, which ones do you think will be the most beneficial. 
the most ridiculous. Who are the winners and losers of free agency or this offseason so far? Um, let me know all that. Would really love to hear from you guys and interact with you guys. And yeah, like I said, with regards to the Devils, keep your eyes peeled over the next two, three weeks about maybe potential acquisition to acquire a top six winger. We may have some more interesting things to talk about moving forward, but uh, yeah, let's keep our, keep our eyes glued here. A lot of things can happen in the next couple of weeks. A lot of things.